0: Hi, I'm Chris McBrien, a Gen Xer, and the pop culture from my generation is awesome.
1: And I'm Yance Eaton, a millennial, and the pop culture from my generation is dope. Episode 22, Rogue One. <laughs>
0: chris mcbryan that's yancey and this is pop goes your world the pop culture podcast for the generations hey if you want to reach us around here make sure you can talk to us on twitter at yancey eaton or at c McBrien just remember McBrien is i e n or you can always shoot us an email chris or yancey at pop your yancey eaton what is going on in the world of pop for you this week my friend
1: um, well, I got a chance to listen to some new albums. Nice. Uh, Metallica came out with the new Hardwired album, which is surprisingly good. I wasn't expecting it to be as good as it is. Um, I don't know if you're a big Metallica fan. I'm sure you, you at one point you were, right?
0: Uh, sort of. I was never a huge Metallica fan, to be honest with you. I always liked heavy metal, but Metallica, I don't know. There was something about their music I... I know people are going to hate me for this. Um, I get a lot of emails about my opinions, but what the hell?
1: Um, (laughs) You never seem too bothered by it, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, I really don't care. You know, I mean, I just lay it out there. But uh, no, Metallica, I never really loved them. You know what I mean? Never loved Mm -hmm. them that
1: much. I mean, that's fair. I'm not. It's not like they're like my favorite band or anything. Like that, but you know, anytime a big band like that drops an album out, I always try to check it out. So, I finally got to listen to that. Uh, today, I, I go on Dat Piff's website as well, where you can go and listen to hip hop mixtapes uh, mix and stuff for free. And they're always putting new stuff on there. And like, surprisingly, Chance the Rapper, who's just like one of my all time favorites, like, well, you very like quickly, yeah, you like Chance. I love Chance Rapper, I talk about him all the time. But uh, he dropped a Christmas album, a Christmas mixtape, like, surprisingly, and it's really good. So, I've been really listening to that. And as far as movies go, obviously, we're going to talk about Rogue One tonight, but uh, I Managed to watch a couple older movies. Uh, our buddy Sammy, he had been asking me to watch The Prestige. Uh, oh, Sammy with, Reed? Yeah, oh, Sammy nice. Reed. Yeah, he, he'd, been, he'd been bugging me about watching The Prestige because he knows that I'm a huge Christopher Nolan fan. And he's like, yes, you have to watch this movie, like repeatedly hounding me about it. I finally did, and it is a phenomenal, phenomenal movie. It's one of those kind of like mind-bending, like typical Christopher Nolan. You don't really know like what's real and what's not. You know, it's a really uh, really uh, open-ended ending if that makes any sense like it's up for interpretation and stuff so i saw that that was really good but i want to talk about star wars that's what i want to talk
0: about absolutely and we're going to get into that in a minute before we get started i did want to say something if i could now obviously coming up on december 25th it's a very special day because it's
1: his birthday Yeah, it's
0: a day we celebrate the birthday (laughs) of a very special person you're right and that special person actually is gary sandy it's gary sandy's birthday yancy gary sandy played andy travis On WKRP in Cincinnati. And it's a huge cause for celebration. In in my house, we even go so far as we put up a tree, we decorate the tree, we give each other gifts, we make a big dinner, we even invite the whole family over to celebrate with us. Gary Sandy's birthday, December the 25th. Nancy, what are you going to do this year for Gary Sandy's birthday? Got any plans?
1: Um, I'm going to sleep in. I'm going to watch a parade. I'm going to drink mimosas with my wife, all in his honor. Nice. This is to you, Gary. To you. Oh, yeah. So
0: this year he turned 71. <laughs> Last year was a biggie. It was 70, right? Nothing like what's going to come up in 2020. Gary Sandy will turn 75 that year. That's going to be a big, big party, that, I tell you what. But anyway, <laughs> are you ready to get on with our topic tonight?
1: I'm so ready, Chris. Let's do this. Uh, let's do. Okay. <laughs> You love trivia, I love trivia. By day, I'm a college professor. Living the dream, man. It's at 80s not at-ats. Good answer, good answer. Joker, joker, American history. Vanna White is a is a timeless, ageless beauty. She looks the exact same now as she did to like 81. Oh, won't you give me a kiss? I'm old school, I'm Gen X. You dirty old man. <laughs> yeah, <sorry. laughs> Okay. The game of celebrity gossip. Like spay and neuter your, your pets. <laughs> He's also Canadian, which yes. is a huge plus for some people. Now, I you know I
0: should say spoiler alert, but I think if you care at all about what happens in Rogue One, you've probably already seen it. <laughs> but if you haven't, then I guess turn off the podcast. Just make sure you come back and listen later. You know, after you've seen the movie, and and you know, see if you agree with us. Um, mm-hmm. Now, um, Yancey, you want to start? So, like, like we just kind of touch base on the top, and I'm probably going to get you know into a couple things tonight that will probably get me emails like I said we just mentioned off the top and another really bothers me one thing is here's the deal when we started doing this podcast I always said I'm going to be truthful I'm just gonna be I'm gonna put it out there I'm just gonna say what's on my mind and I'm not gonna you know just gonna let it all hang out obviously Mm -hmm. if you go back and listen to the episode where we talked about uh, guilty pleasures you'll see that that I was talking about that in spades I was totally honest because it got me in lots of trouble but uh, anyway Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna be really honest about this but I like to start with you so did you like the movie
1: I did. I liked the movie a lot. I did not completely love the movie. It has its flaws, but again, I've mentioned this in the past, I can be critical of something and still like it, and I, I did like this movie a lot. Uh, okay, so,
0: so let's start with that. So what are the things that you liked about this movie?
1: Because I, um, I have a
0: couple of things I really liked about it. So let's go back and forth a little bit on this. What did you like about it?
1: What did I really like about it? Yeah. Um I I thought the casting was fantastic. Um, They nailed all the casting on it. Um, I thought that the different worlds that they brought into it were amazing. I thought the battle sequences were amazing. Uh, The ending with Vader was probably the most badass scene of Star Wars I have ever seen. It was incredible. Um, I mean, it was just uh, another well-done, like beautiful cinematic film. I mean, it was just... You know, breathtakingly beautiful. That part of it I just absolutely love. But um, I I think there were parts with sequencing and uh, just like. inconsistencies with like the plot and like pacing and stuff like that that just kind of like waned on it a little bit but overall just an absolutely just a really really fun film yeah, what about I, you?
0: Yeah I'll agree with you in terms of the casting I thought um, Felicity Jones was amazing um, yep. and really continuing the trend that we saw with The Force Awakens to have a strong capable female lead in a Star Wars movie mm-hmm. so I, I, I really like that another thing I liked that I don't know if people picked up on this or not and like I'm just such a fan of the original trilogy as you know um, the one thing that I picked up on Was I like the like because there was lots of Easter eggs in this movie, and we'll talk we'll talk about tons of them. But one of the things I liked was is is the original footage of the X wing pilots that they knew you're going to bring this. They dropped that in in scenes. I was like, hey, hey, that's like like that's red leader, gold leader, and like they 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 were actually. I don't know if they just took it and reversed the. The, the, the film or something, like to make it look a little bit different, but they jazzed up maybe just the surroundings in the cockpit or something. But those no, were no, Chris. It was actually original. archival
1: footage, yeah. It was it unused was really archival cool. footage. Yeah, so I noticed wild. that in
0: the theater. I was like, Whoa, 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 this is really cool. So that was really, really good. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, I should mention too that when I saw the movie, it's in what's I don't know the name of it. I don't know what you call it in the States, but yeah, in, in Canada, they have we have certain cinemas where like the middle section has these special seats and they're like bigger. And they're a little mm-hmm. bit roomier, which is great for a big guy like me. And so it's right in the middle. And the thing is, these seats move. So they move and they shake. And they move from side to side and forward and back and all this kind of stuff. And that's what I got to sit in to see. And the other good thing, too, is it's um, it's assigned seating. So you're like in like row J, seat 10. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's really cool. You don't have to worry about – you actually have a seat. You know, it's like going to see a concert, right? So that was really good to be in kind of into that thing. But, uh, yeah, so I like the um, – the original footage of the X-wing pilots, so I thought was good. The other thing I'll mention, and you know, we'll get into some maybe some things we didn't like so much about it in a bit. I thought the first two thirds of the movie or so was kind of forgettable, to be honest. I thought the last half hour though, yep. during the battle, it was totally action packed. And I like – the other thing I really liked about this movie was obviously the way it ran right up to Star Wars. Like literally right minutes. up to it. Yeah. Like within minutes, yes. I, I like that a lot. So that's that, yep. those are things I liked about it. So you mentioned you know, briefly there was a couple of things, inconsistencies and things like that. So what are some things that you, you maybe didn't like about the movie? Because this is where I think the, the, the dialogue we're going to have tonight is going to rest and going to be interesting to, to kind of pick apart a little bit. Not to get critical of the film because, mm-hmm. I mean, I liked it too. Like yourself, I would say I liked it, but I didn't love it. That's for sure. Didn't love it. I liked it. I thought it was good, you know, but I think there were some things I just want to talk a little bit about. So what were some things maybe you want to kind of pick apart and we can kind of get into that?
1: Well, I feel like uh, we, we heard reports um, for anybody who follows this stuff kind of closely. um, There were all these reports that they were bringing in people later, like in the middle and towards the end of the production to help re-edit it and reshoot different scenes to add things and cut them. And you can kind of tell just with pacing and, and, you know by certain scenes and stuff that made it into the film versus scenes that we saw in the three official trailers that didn't actually make it into the movie at all that there were just a lot of hands in this and i just felt like especially with the pacing like you mentioned like it does it does drag on in the in the beginning and i felt like there were you know, in, in the first five to 10 minutes, they literally jumped from planet to planet to planet. We were introduced to like five or six different places within a matter of minutes, you see what I'm saying? And it was just mm-hmm. like, I felt like they were trying to introduce and give us like this, this this feeling of like a large universe like that we're dealing with right here, and there's all these different places and things going on at the same time, but like there wasn't really any flow to it at all. I couldn't remember the planet's names, I couldn't remember who was where, or who was going to what. It was really just really discombobulated. There wasn't a lot of like smoothness to it at all. Um, and like I, like I mentioned, like there were scenes that I was actually genuinely looking forward to that I did see in the, you know the the official trailers and stuff. Like where uh, Jin's character is on that catwalk at the very end, and you see the Tie Fighter come up, and he's like you know basically staring at her. That didn't even make the film at all. You know there were there are all kinds of little clips and stuff like that. But then you see films like um or, I'm sorry scenes where. You know, you have the the pilot, and they have, like, the tentacled creature thing that's going to get the truth out of him. You literally could have completely cut that from the movie, and the outcome would have been exactly the same. Like, something like that, it was such an oddball scene that didn't make any sense to me. I didn't feel like it added anything at all, and I would have rather taken those few minutes to kind of, you know, develop another one of the characters and give a little bit more background, and I didn't. Um, I don't know. Stuff like that just bothered the hell out of me, but more so was... This is it, it's it's strange because outside of Jin and Cassian, I couldn't really remember any of the characters' names after the film. That's
0: interesting that you say that, you know?
1: I really so, couldn't. Yeah. I, I have a I have a really prolific memory and I, I can always hold on to stuff like that, but um as much as I liked the characters, I wasn't so emotionally invested in them that like I knew the characters. You know what I mean? It's just I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I want to get your take on that just as far as you feel about it. But like, I just felt like they were good characters, but not super memorable.
0: I think you make some really, really good points there, especially in regard to the world. Like you mentioned mm-hmm. the worlds, I guess, you know, of this universe and then also the characters. Because for me, the thing about the original trilogy that I love so much, there's lots of things I love about. It, but it, it one thing I love about it is just how familiar it all seems like the characters are clear the sets are clear like you know exactly where you are at all times you can easily identify with the characters their names their look everything's just clear you know what i mean like and i think that's one of the problems with the prequels like there's a lot of problems with the prequels we'll get into that another time sometime but one of the biggest problems is that things get muddled for me in the prequels right from the get-go like there's talk about trade federations and taxation of trade routes and blockades and all this crap whereas you know, like you say, the original trilogy, like the, the characters, the names, the the look, the stylization of everything is crystal clear, and you know exactly where you are at all times, and you identify with all the characters. Whereas in the prequels and in this one, I agree with you. I found that some of the worlds, I'm like, where are they, and what's the name of this place, and what's this guy's character's name again, and it doesn't, it just doesn't resonate. Um, so I agree with you. I agree with you on all that. On um, the other thing, I'll 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 just touch base on, and this is where I'm going to get emails I'm sure I'm going to get tweets but here's the thing the Darth Vader character so he obviously was not played by David Prowse in this there's two actors credited in the movie Daniel Napras and Spencer Wilding are credited as playing mm-hmm. Vader so for me and this is going to sound goofy but I noticed right away like to me the walk was different like when really was, yeah when he was walking I was like it didn't look like Vader and then when he came into the scene where he, where he was talking I know this sounds goofy but the mask even kind of looked a little it looked more like a like a Halloween mask and costume than a real Vader. I know it seems crazy. And like you mentioned, you loved, and I've read lots of stuff online where other people loved the fact that Darth Vader was go- was kicking ass, you know, with the rebel troops. Oh, you know, yeah. remember he was mowing him down, you know, when he was on his way through the ship. But I got to tell you, Yancey, I'll be honest with you. I didn't like it. And for me, the best part of Vader in the original movie was that he came in after the stormtroopers had fought the rebels. So it almost felt like he was like above the fighting itself. Like it's like he came in after it was over and then took control of the situation. He came in with a presence that was almost like bigger than life. And there was mm-hmm. this mystique about him, you know? To show him like involved directly in the fighting, it just didn't do it for me. Like maybe it's just me, but like like I said, I, I know that scene pleased a lot of people, and they, but it just wasn't for me. If that's not what Vader's all about, like for me, like I said, he's more like a bigger than life villain that does things like he like he does like the force choke on Admiral Admiral Motti, as opposed mm-hmm. to as opposed to like fighting rebels. And like, I know he had lightsaber battles with Ben and Luke, but that's different to me than fighting a bunch of rebels. I don't know. It just seemed to me to take away from the mystique of the character of Darth Vader. That
1: was my I'll, take on that. I'll I'll, I'll give. I'll give like an example, okay, so we always knew that Yoda at one point was just an absolute badass, and we never really got to see him fight, we just always seen him as like this hobbled, you know, disabled, old creature, and then, you know, in the new series, like, we do see him fight, and he's, who did he fight, Doku, I think it was, And he was amazing, you know what I mean? So, like, we always knew that that was there, but we never actually physically seen it. And to actually see that was, like, really eye-opening, like, oh, my God, Yoda is amazing. Like, with Darth Vader, we've always known that he was super intimidating, and then he has, you know, incredible force control and and all that stuff. But to see him literally walk out there, like, in blind, I mean, just, like, complete rage, like, the... (sighs) It's so he's in so like such control and like you can feel the fear of everybody around him. Like he literally has complete control over dozens of people and he mows them down like one hundred percent mows them down. Which kind of like brings a question like if he if he is so powerful and capable of of defeating so many people at once like why why does he wait? so long why why is he so dismissive of all of these people like why does he treat all of these people that work underneath him as so dispensable you know what i mean like he'll let 30 40 50 people go and get killed and then he'll just show up and he can literally disable 30 troops and pull their guns at them at once like that part's a little questionable but I mean, I I'm not gonna lie though, Chris. That that scene really, really did something for me. Like we, like I said, we, we we're always just taught that like, oh, Darth Vader is a badass, and we should just take that at face value. You know, we, we could see him one on one choking old guys and stuff, but to see him like completely disband like an entire group of of fighters was like pretty incredible to me. Absolutely incredible. Okay, like, I'm like,
0: am I'm I'm like I'm a massive massive film buff, and and, and so one of my favorite movies of all time is Citizen Kane. Okay? Okay. And to me, the one scene in Citizen Kane that I don't want to go crazy, I'm going to be the only person on a podcast to talk about Rogue One and Citizen Kane in the same breath. But here's the thing. There's one scene in Citizen Kane that I don't like and that's where, at the near the end of the film, where Kane goes nuts and starts absolutely smashing the living daylights out of his room and everything at the Xanadu Palace. And that is the one scene in the movie that i feel takes away from the mystique of the character and i felt the same way here with vader and and going back to the yoda uh reference that you made i thought this now mind you i I hated the prequels we know that but even when i when they were when they had yoda jumping around and doing the lights i didn't like that either i took away from what he was all about too it's it's all about to me not about jumping around and fighting and being a good badass it's about controlling the force and controlling it in such a way and having power over it that both he and Vader had that they don't need to wade into the battle and be not knocking guys around. I don't know. That was just my cake again.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just I think it's just a, it's a stylistic preference. Yep. You know what I mean? Yep. So not for you, but I loved it.
0: The other thing that I think I want to touch base on is the CGI, again, spoiler alert, the CGI oh of, of uh, <laughs> Peter Cushing and Carrie Fisher. Okay, so here's yep. here's the thing that I had. I thought this movie was really ambitious. And the problem was, I think it was a little bit too ambitious. And so when it came to putting Tarkin and Leia in the movie, I think it stumbled. Like, I I like the idea of doing it. I just didn't like the execution of it. So in the scenes with Tarkin, for me, it was distracting. Like, as as good a job as they did, it still looked fake. And to me, it was very distracting. I would have loved to seen this. I would have loved to seen Tarkin from the back. You know, he's looking out at the horizon or whatever.
1: You and know? they have the reflection on, and, in and the then,
0: glass. Well, yeah, they see the reflection in the glass. Yep. You're like, holy smokes, is that Tarkin? And then you hear him talk. And yep. then you're like, is that Kriamov Tarkin? And then he just turns around and he could be like in partial darkness or in silhouette. and But you can see that it's him. But it's just kind of dark enough just to cover up the CGI a bit and have him maybe just deliver one line. That right. would have been Incredible. And yep. I think that would have been a lot more impactful. But when he starts showing up in scene after scene and he's interacting Multiple with other- scenes. Oh,
1: with, he's Isn't interacting so with the much?
0: actors. And he, <laughs> he's interacting with other real humans. It just all becomes yep. too distracting. And, and the same for me goes with the scene with Leia. And I, I love at the end how she had her back to the camera. And then she turned around and then you see the young Carrie Fisher. Great idea. Problem mm-hmm. is, then she opened her mouth and she delivered a line. And, and to me, it would have been, I would have much rather had her deliver the line with the, her back to the audience and then you hear the voice and you're wondering you're, whoa, 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 whoa no way no way and then she turns around and you see the face because as soon as she turned around and you saw the face it was very very powerful yeah and then if they would have just had her deliver the line and then turn around and then you see the face boom super impactful i think that would have just put it over the top but then like i say they had her deliver the line to the camera and the whole cgi thing became a distract, distraction all over again so like like yep. I said I think it was just a little bit too ambitious for its own good. Do you, you agree with me on that or is it too much
1: what? I, I'm I'm glad that you brought up the whole Tarkin thing because um you know I, I took my wife and she's not a big Star Wars fan. She, you know, she's watched the movies a, a few times and stuff like that, but she's not, you know, absolutely a eight- about it as I am um, but like even whenever Tarkin came on like she looked at me with like this like you know WTF like what what is this you know what I mean and like for you know for a, a company with just an endless budget when it comes to stuff like this it felt it's weird me saying this because like, from a from a human characteristic it was probably one of the most realistic human CGI I've ever seen oh it was but yeah. it was also painfully fake instantly you knew that it was fake And like I said, my wife instantly knew it, I knew it. Like, you know, in 30 years if we're gonna go back and watch this movie, we're gonna look at Rogue One, we're gonna be like, God, their CGI was terrible in 2016. You know what I mean? Like, I really feel like that. it. And like well, you said, I mean, it, it
0: was no. Um, what was the one that you brought up uh, a couple weeks ago? Um, the Rock in the yes, Scorpion King. The Scorpion King was like so, against okay, nothing yeah. like that, obviously. And and you're, and you're right. Like you mentioned, you know, this company that has sort of this endless budget and endless resources to do this, they obviously spent lots of money on it. And let me tell you, they did it right. Like they they did motion capture. They, the, the the guy really really worked on the voice to get the voice and the mannerisms out. They even went so far as to bring in members of the actor's family, to uh, like Peter Cushing's family, to study it all and make sure that the nuances and all that were right. They advised on it. So they I mean they did everything right, but at the end of the day, it's a CGI character that they had interacting with other humans way too much. And like I say, it was just too ambitious. Like I say, just that one turnaround and that deliver the one line to the camera, kind of in the, the darkness, you'd have just walked away going, oh, my God, I can't believe that. That was so cool. But instead, yep. they just took it too far.
1: That's. I really mean, cool. I, I, I love the fact – I know we're running long on Tarkin, but it is kind of important. And, and a lot of people are talking about this too. But I, I love is. the fact that they tried to incorporate him in this film, but I think they went too far with it. They added him too much. Yep. Um, you know Tarkin's incredibly important like people don't realize this but Tarkin's one of two people that Darth Vader ever answers to in the original series like he is a big deal so like I obviously I wanted them to bring him back but they could have made that like a passing of the baton kind of thing and made him have like one piece of dialogue you know with his reflection in the mirror and you know maybe just turn around the one time like you said and we could have bought it and then you know all the other dialogue that they had put on him could have been handed off to Vader or, you know, any of the other characters and stuff. But they just didn't do it like that. And it was just really, really disappointing. But like you said, super distracting every single time he was on film, which was a lot. It was yeah. just a lot.
0: I agree. Now, another thing, a lot of people are talking about, you know, where this movie ranks among the Star Wars movies. And since, you know, we love to rank things around here, you know, I figured we should probably wade into this, too. So, Yancey, what do you think? Where Where does Rogue One rank amongst the Star Wars movies for you?
1: Uh... <laughs> Uh probably 5th, I guess. I would go I don't know. Yeah, probably 5th. I mean, I I still think The Force Awakens is it's not very well, I don't know, that's not really fair either. This kind of catches me off guard. The Force Awakens was basically like we we talked about this. It was a it was a fan service. It was basically the exact same thing but reintroduced with better graphics. This one what I do like that it filled in the gaps. It wasn't a standalone film like we were promised, you know, like a completely separate story. It was like a, a seamless like puzzle piece that you stuck in between two movies. And I do really appreciate how how well they were able to like kind of blend those two together. So I guess I guess from just from like an originality standpoint, I would probably put this over The Force Awakens. But I think as far as like character development and actually being emotionally invested in the characters themselves, I would put The Force Awakens ahead of this. I don't know. I I, I mean, I'm not gonna put it ahead of either any of the three original trilogy, but I I have to think about it between the, the Force Awakens and this one. It's definitely better than the original, or the episodes one through three, though,
0: oh, like for sure. sure. Uh, the, the easy answer for me is that it fits in between the prequels and the original trilogy, both literally and figuratively, right? But <laughs> since the prequels don't exist for me, uh, I can't, you know, I can't do that, so I can't be quite that easy. So I would go um, Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, Rogue One. That's the way I would do it. The other thing I should mention that I really do like about this movie too, right from the get-go, is I like the fact that the world is dirty. Okay? The world looks like it's lived in. Because Mm -hmm. to me, I've said this before when we had our Star Wars episode the original movie the original trilogy for that matter one of the things i just loved about it so much was the fact that the world looked lived in it was like you could see the rivets you could see the oil and the dirt and it was a lived-in world and then you also you get to the prequels and it's like george lucas forgot all that and they made everything like shiny and clean like like the way you know science fiction films used to be in like the 60s and kind of blew it all out star wars the whole point is that it's not even in the future it's in the past it's a long time ago right and the fact that the whole world looked lived in, I really appreciated that. They they did that in Rogue One a lot. A little bit of that got lost in the end uh, battle sequence, I think. But for the most part, like that's what I one thing I really, really did appreciate about the movie. So so I think, you know, overall, we both agree that we, we, we liked the movie. We didn't love the movie. There was obviously some things to pick apart and things like that. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day, we got to go to the theater and spend some time in the Star Wars universe again, which is always a good thing. You know, and it gets Mm -hmm. us through to the next big movie. You know, so anyway, um, you want to have some uh, fun with Yancy? Let's do it,
1: man!
0: All right, here we go. Okay, so um, obviously we mentioned there's there's several tie-ins between Rogue One and the original Star Wars movie, right? And uh, one of them is actually seen on the counter of the UrsO kitchen when they're scrambling to escape the Empire at the beginning of the movie. And on the counter is a glass of Bantha milk. So this tasty beverage, Yancy, was also seen in Star Wars as Aunt Beru served it for lunch. What color is the milk, Yancy? It's blue milk. Yay! That's <laughs> right. So blue Bantha milk. So there we go. Yep. Uh, so obviously uh, Rogue One, the, uh, the filmmakers brought back to life. One of the Empire's governors in Grand Moff Tarkin, which we've discussed at, you know, at some length tonight. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously this was accomplished, as I mentioned, through motion capture and CGI and voiceover work. In the original Star Wars movie, who was the actor that played Grand Moff Tarkin?
1: Oh, uh, oh man, I know his name. Uh, ugh, I, I, it, I'm i blanking, but I, I I literally had this in my head like an hour ago.
0: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's Peter Cushing.
1: Cushing, yes. Yeah,
0: yeah. So another thing too, like a lot of, like he he did a lot of kind of, not B movies, like he was in like The Curse of Frankenstein and Horror of Dracula. He played Van Helsing. But I always remember him in a movie called Top Secret. And this came after Star Wars. So remember when we, we were talking about like funniest movies in our, in our last episode? Um, mm-hmm. Another one that just missed the, the, the top for me was a movie called Top Secret. And it was kind of spun off of that, the, the airplane movies and all that kind of stuff and Naked Gun and all those kind of like just slapstick, crazy ass movies. And Top Secret was one and he was in it and he played this bookstore owner and they did this backwards scene. You have to watch, you'd have to see it to, to understand what I'm talking about. It was brilliant, but it was Peter Cushing. Anyway. Okay. Next one. So during the Battle of Scarif, so the plans to the Death Star obviously are beamed to a Rebel spaceship, okay? Mm-hmm. So this spaceship, then it then it escapes and it's soon tracked down by an Imperial Star Destroyer in the opening of the original Star Wars movie. Yancey, what's the name of the Rebel spaceship?
1: Oh, Chris. <laughs> uh, this is like a major
0: hardcore Star Wars question.
1: Yeah, you're a snake. I, I don't know what it is, but if you say it, it's gonna sound super familiar. Mm. It's Tantive Four.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh, every single Star Wars movie has opened with the traditional crawl. What is the first word in the opening crawl for Rogue One? It doesn't have a crawl. Oh, very good. It's a trick question. You know, no
1: crawl. Nice. This is like your Tupac question from a couple weeks I ago. I know. I just like the You and don't play nice. You no, don't play fair. <laughs> exactly. But you
0: see, you nailed it. It's all good. So, okay. Um, this. So, with an uncredited appearance in Rogue One. This is the only actor to have appeared in every Star Wars movie to date. Yancy, can you name the actor?
1: I don't know his name, but isn't it the guy that does see po
0: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. English guy, no. They, they, they. I mean, what is his name? I'm Anthony Daniels. Is. Anthony okay. Daniels. Yeah, and he was. Daniels the... showed him for a split
1: second.
0: Yep, yep, just for a second, and and then R two D two was there too. Obviously, Kenny Baker uh, was not, you know, in in R two. You know, he passed away recently. He was too. He didn't even do any of the scenes in um in the Force Awakens either because he was just too ill to do it, but. uh Anyway, interesting. But but like I say, overall, a lot of fun. You knew some of them. some of them, Again, hardcore. So I just love Star Wars. So I love throwing all the hard stuff at you. That's for sure. But uh, like I say, overall, the movie was good. Would you go back and see it again?
1: Um, I actually plan on going back and seeing it like within the next two or three days. Um, I'll I, I be remiss real quick if I don't mention that Donnie Yen is in this movie. And I don't know if you're a big martial arts movie fan, but I mean, he's literally one of my favorite actors, you know, in, like If Man 1 through 2 and mm-hmm. all, all, all kinds of just like cult classic martial arts films. And then K2SO, the droid, was probably my favorite character in the entire film. Obviously, he was voiced by uh, Alan Tudyk, who we most know as uh, Steve the Pirate from Dodgeball. <laughs> like, which is, course. like, so random. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I <laughs> love Firefly, those two yeah. characters so much. I would have loved to have seen so much more I of them. I found
0: he was a little close to C-3PO for my liking, the characterization. I don't know. It was just me. It didn't seem original enough. But, again, I'm just nitpicking on that one. But
1: You're, You are very beholden to, like— tradition when it comes to star wars like i'm very beholden tradition yeah. with
0: everything yancey i'm a jet xer that's the whole point i love <laughs> nostalgia and that's the, what i love right it's hard to get me away from that but uh, anyway listen listen it's time to wrap things up so hey yeah, as i mentioned at the top of the show reach out to us on twitter i'm sure there are lots of stuff that you agree with or disagree with from this show and always on twitter at yancey Eaton or at c mcbryan or chris at popgoesyourworld.com or yancey at popgoesyourworld.com on behalf of Yancey Eaton, this is Chris McBride saying thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thank you for listening to the Pop Goes Your World podcast. Continue the conversation on Twitter at c McBryan or at Yancey Eaton. Please consider leaving a review for the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show.